so Derek can walk me home. Right, I was going to continue on from um, Titus 3 here this morning, uh, Titus 3, uh, 3 to 8. And uh, yeah, just continuing on with Paul's letter to Titus um, and for his encouragement and his different reminders for the people of Crete there. I'm um, just open to prayer there. Dear Lord, I thank you for what you've done and um, we thank you for who you are to us and um, and the way that you're continually pursuing us, chasing us, and the way that you love us in ways that we can never understand. Um, we just pray that you would speak today, Lord, and that we might hear what it is you have for us. Amen. So I'll read from Titus 3 to 8 all the way through, and then we'll just look at a couple of parts from at the beginning and a couple of parts at the end there, and then also um, and just what this... What I, what I felt as though Paul might have been encouraging and what I felt God was encouraging in my heart this week as I read through this. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient and deceived, enslaved by all kind of passions and pleasures. We had lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness of our God and Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour, so that having been justified by grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These are things. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Yeah, right. So I'll start with um, many lusts, and we were slaves to many lusts and lustful pleasures. So it, um, often when I think of lust, it's um, it's easy to think of it purely in the, the sexual sense. I think what Paul's talking about here, it goes deeper than that. Um, it starts to, if we, if we look at the definition of lust, in the first half of this definition, there's two parts to this definition I found in the dictionary, to have intense sexual desire. And I think often this is the first thought and the only one we have and the only way we think or process lust. But the second half of this definition goes on to have to say to have passionate or overmastering desire or craving. So if we're to look at lust um, in relation to the people of Crete, it says that they are a disobedient people, they are rebellious people. Um, they um, they hated one another. So lust and the, the slaves they were thing the slave the things they were slaves to was more than just sexual pleasures. And if we look at it today, the things that we can become slaves to. Um, for some people, it's we can crave people's acceptance or their praise. Um, it's good to be encouraged. But if our worth and value in our life comes only from people's praise and encouragement or acceptance, then we're trying to fill a void that only Jesus can fill. We need to look to Jesus to find our acceptance and to find our encouragement. 
Well, for me, I like to have a few beers at the end of the day as I relax. But if I come home and I can't relax without a beer, then I have an issue. There's nothing wrong with having a beer, but if the beer is the only thing that helps you relax, then you have an issue. It's, um, it's something that's separating me from, from God and what he's done. It's, um, I'm just trying to fill this void that only the Spirit of the Lord can fill. Um, and, and that can be done in what the way I pray, the way I read, the things I do for God. We can try and fill this void in so many different ways. We all have these little things that we use to try and fill those voids. As we read these verses, it's worth remembering that Paul's writing this letter as a reminder. It's a reminder to the people of Crete. They've heard the gospel. They've come to know who Jesus is. But like us, they easily forget. Um, I'm always forgetting things, and Emily's always reminding me of things. Sometimes she asks me to buy something in the shop, and I just flat out forget. Or like that one time, she asked me to buy stone fruit. And I walked through Woolworths for 20 minutes and there's no stone fruit in Roma. I didn't really understand what stone fruit were <laughs> until I got home and said, Emily, there's no stone fruit in Woolworths. And she said, no good plums, no, no nothing. And then, no, you said stone fruit. <laughs> and I think as Christians, sometimes we just don't get it and we're too afraid to ask. God's listening. He's pursuing us. So sometimes I don't understand and I don't think to ask. And then there's sometimes I'm just a human or just a man and I forget. (laughs) And I think the people at Crete were just human. They needed reminding. But Paul's not just reminding them of the do's and don'ts. He's reminding them of something much deeper than that. He's pointing, pointing them back to what enables us to be able to live our lives as Christ did and as we're called. It's through the kindness and love and the grace of God we're set free and given power to overcome sin, the lustful pleasures of the world, the anger, our legalism, whatever it is, it's through Jesus that we come and through his grace we come to be able to overcome these things. In verse 8, Paul emphasises this. He says, this is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those of you who have trusted in God may be careful to devote yourselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. It's interesting, sometimes in my head I've thought, if I don't fix it, what will God do? And when I'm motivated by what will God do and what will my position be with God, I can't I can't do anything good for God and I'm continually failing. To put it in an everyday sense, why do I care for Emily? Why do I pursue her? Why do I want to look after her? It's not because I'm scared of Mick. <laughs> it's, it's not because that's the rules. It's not because it's just the right thing to do. No, it's because I love her. And unless we're living... And because I love her, I want to see her happy. I want to, I want to do things for her. I want to do what she wants. If we're not living as children of the love by God 
and children who love God. We can't get it right. I've had a really bad boss in the past, probably like everyone's had, and you can't do anything right. And you're always afraid of what what he's going to be up to you for next. You're doing your best, but you'll never get it quite right. And then I've also had a really good boss who never really seemed to care when you got it wrong. And all of a sudden, your work improves. You seem to make less mistakes. And you, you desire to do the best that you can. Whereas for that bad boss, you're only ever going to do just what you have to to scrape by. I think sometimes God, the way we look at God is there's a bad boss. That boss that we just got to do what we have to do to make him happy, to appease him. But when we see God as this good boss, the God who loves us, we go above and beyond. We try and, we try and please him in ways that we never would before. It's amazing to think that the way that God chose to love us, God could have taken away our sins and set us free. He could open the clouds and spoke down and they would have been gone. He could have done it like that. He could have done it any number of ways. But he chose to send Jesus. He chose to send someone like us, who we could relate to, who we could understand, who we could develop a relationship with. And as we develop a relationship, we can't help but love who Jesus is in our lives. Because what he's doing, it's so relatable to us. And through Jesus, we're no longer living in that fear of God's wrath. But we start to praise and love him and we have gratitude for him for pursuing us. Sometimes we can really get stuck in this trap, and I do, of thinking that I'm pursuing God harder than he's pursuing me. It's a big mistake to think that God's not more passionate about you than you are about him. His grace and love for us motivates and changes us and how we live. We live, when we live in the reality of what Jesus has done for us, we're not living guilty, we're not living full of shame, and we're not living trying to make up for what we could never. We're fulfilled and full of gratitude and love. So we can't help it. We live differently. It changes us. Where the law and order and guilt and shame could never, could never move us, could never motivate us, Grace motivates us, it convicts us and it changes us in a way that we just can't help but change. And like me, sometimes we need reminders. Like the people in Crete, sometimes we need to be reminded of that. I think sometimes that reminder comes in, um, in what I've been... Someone explained it to me once as that feeling, I've lost my wallet. You've got a, a bad feeling somewhere between your heart and your stomach when you've lost your wallet. And no matter how you tr- hard you try and find it, you can't seem to find it. You look in all the right places, but you still can't find your wallet. It's not until you take a step back and look, where did I have my wallet last? What was different in my journey? And often I think in our Christian life, we can have that feeling, maybe a bit like what Carleen was talking about this morning, We've lost our wallet, our stomach. There's something that comes over us that says, I have a separation from God right now. 
I've lost that passion. I've lost that motivation for Jesus. What is it? Where is it gone? Sometimes in those moments, it doesn't feel like you can beat the lustful pleasures of the world. I can't keep the law. I can't pray. I can't read. Where's God? I can't hear his voice in this. When I first became a Christian, it was interesting. I grew up in a Christian home, but when I became a Christian, everything was easy all of a sudden. It just all seemed to happen. When I woke up in the morning, the first thing I wanted to do was pick up my Bible and read. I prayed all the time. And as I think about it, what did I have then that I didn't? Me personally, I had nothing. I had nothing to offer God, and I'd finally realised it. There was no sacrifice that I could give him to appease him. Everything was done for me. So Christ could do his work when I got out of the way. And then as I got to become a better Christian, a more knowledgeable Christian, however you want to look at it, you might say, I had a wallet full of cash, but I just couldn't find it anywhere. (laughs) And our actions and good deeds don't. It's a bit like that wallet. It's our actions and our good deeds, but if they're done without Jesus, they're pointless. If they're not done from a heart that comes from Christ and what he's done in us, then they're worthless. They don't fulfil us, and they'll never fill that void. So let's remind each other and encourage each other in that. In Exodus, it says, Exodus 15.2, it says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me a victory. This is my God, and I will praise him. As we have communion and, and those things, it's often quite easy to forget what, what a great thing has been done for us. And sometimes I think we nearly need to lose our wallet before we actually come back to what it is that's been done for us. We've been set free from unfulfilling pleasures, from the wickedness of the day, by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Through him we are set free and able to live our lives in a pleasing way to God. So let's dig into him and be thankful for what he's doing in us. And remember that grace is a gift we receive, not because of our good deeds, and it doesn't have punishment with it. And it's without anger from God. It's a gift that says, I've got this. I've taken care of it. I've settled the bill. And you don't have to pay a cent. We owe God nothing because he's done it all. And because of that, we're full of gratitude. And from that gratitude, we start to live and change. And we can't help it. Um, so when you're struggling... And or when you see brothers and sisters that are struggling, encourage them. Ask them, are you making it happen? Or is God doing his work in you? Take a step back and say, where did I lose my wallet? Where were you? And then from there, let God do his work and know that he's faithful and he's going to pursue you more than you could ever pursue him. We're just praying. Dear Lord, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for the way that it empowers us. 
Not only does it save us, Lord, but it gives us the power and the strength to be able to choose you and to change us from the inside out, Lord. We just pray that we keep remembering that, that we live in that, and that we just keep reminding each other of that. Because it's all we need, Lord, to be sustained and fulfilled. In Jesus' name, Amen.